I'm Sarah Rose, and this is the Mind Body Academy podcast. I'm here to teach you how to think yourself slim. It's not brain surgery, and I promise you can do it too. Listen in to find out how. Hey everyone, what's good? I am fired up and ready to do this today. I've been looking forward to letting you in on some of the cool stuff that I have in the works for you, like interviews with leading health and wellness experts that I'm lining up all right here on the podcast. Another thing that I'm gonna be doing is I'm gonna make myself a human guinea pig, and I'm going to be testing out different diets and health crazes to give you guys a firsthand account of what's out there. I think with the word diet, we tend to think of weight loss, but that's low on the totem pole of all the reasons that I'm doing this. It has way more to do with understanding how what we do to our bodies affects our brain and the way that we think, and understanding how we can use our brains to affect our bodies. So I think there's some work that needs to be done there to untether that word diet from weight loss and to think more broadly about the effects the different foods that we're ingesting are having on us on our bodies, our minds, our mood, all of that. I want you guys to have everything you need right here on this podcast to make decisions for yourselves about what works for you, your lifestyle, and your body. First things first, before diving into today's episode, I want to make sure that you know that I have a free course out now called The Genius Body. It's a seven-day course that I walk you through step-by-step, but you can totally go through it at your own pace. The goal is to get you mentally fit to start losing some weight because as you well know, diet and exercise is not enough. You also need to understand how to handle the inner resistance and over-desire, which leads to so much self-sabotage and quitting, right? So if you want to start without stopping, you're going to want to go and access that course directly on my website. Just go to www.mindbody.academy slash free course to get yourself started. Okay, so today I want to talk to you about how to outwit the craving mind. We're going to be talking about how to deal with the munchies, how to deal with those urges to be snacking. I know so many of you have told me that you self-identify as a snacker, and this has been a real area of challenge for you. So let's get into it. A lot of us don't even realize how tiring it is to have all of that brain chatter all day long about food, where the brain is just constantly offering up that you should go grab a snack to eat or check out what's in the fridge for the umpteenth time today, or hmm, when do you feel like eating? Your brain is just scanning through all the different options. All of that desire for food can really mask what's going on there with us mentally, physically, emotionally when we're having all of these urges to eat. All we're really aware of when we're at the effect of these cravings is the sense of, I want to have it, I have to have it, feed it to me now. (laughs) And for some of us, there isn't necessarily like this deep emotional reason that has us going to the food. Part of the reason we get some of these intrusive thoughts about food accompanied by urges can be because we're a little deficient in certain nutrients. And that's just the body's brilliant design kicking into gear to give us a little nudge. If we're not getting enough variety in our diet or maybe we're not registering some of the nutrients properly, 
they're in liquid form. So if you're drinking a lot of juices or smoothies, the body might keep asking for food to get that proper nutrition, even if we've already eaten. So that's just something to be aware of. More often than not, though, the reason we get these persistent cravings is because certain foods that we're consuming, like sugar and flour, are hijacking our brains and our bodies biochemically. It's important to be aware of this because this is the main driver of our cravings. When you break it down, food addiction or any addiction is the continued use despite adverse consequences. You don't need me to launch into a lecture on why certain foods like sugar are bad for you to know that they're bad for you, but why do we keep consuming them? The answer is addiction. And for a lot of you, that's going to feel like a strong word. But food addiction is very real, my friends. Very real. There's researchers out of Harvard who've shown that foods with high glycemic indices, so high sugar contents, trigger a region in the brain called the nucleus accumbens. This is the pleasure center in the brain. It's associated with all those conventional addictions too, like gambling and alcohol addiction, drug abuse, all of that is linked to this region in the brain. And what happens is these sugary foods or foods that have been processed produce a concentrated burst of pleasure there that makes us feel good. And it drives us to seek out more of that feeling, keeps you coming back for more, 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 more. The more we eat of these foods, the more we require of them to light up the brain's pleasure center in the same way. So that's why we get these cravings. And the thing with these foods that trigger that bliss point in the brain is that you get the sensation that no matter how much you eat of them, you can never get enough. That's why it's so hard to stop at just one bite of a cookie and not go ham on the entire box. A lot of those foods are designed to be overconsumed and designed to be over-desired. So what a lot of clients report to me is that it's actually been really helpful to them to understand their cravings through the lens of addiction. I think that once you can recognize that that's what's going on, it's so much easier to manage your urges and manage your mind around your urges. In my program, my clients and I play around a lot with adding certain things in and taking other things out of their diets. I give my clients a process to figure out the weight loss formula that's going to work for them and their bodies. There's nothing prescriptive about my approach, but across the board, People feel so much better when they go off certain foods like sugar and flour or even detox from them for a certain period before reintegrating them. And, you know, it's not impossible to lose weight while eating those things. So some people do choose to eat them again. But once you know what it's like without them, it just creates a much more mindful relationship to the way that those foods are consumed because there's this added awareness of what effect those foods are actually having on the body, especially when you reintroduce them. You go from being without it and then having it back in your system and you might notice some grogginess, heaviness, lack of energy, all of those things that we kind of can overlook in our day-to-day and not necessarily attribute to what we're eating we become aware of when we remove those things. So that's why we want to play around with that a little bit knowing that initially when you remove those foods like sugar and flour or dairy and that kind of thing, the body does go into withdrawal and you often feel worse before you start feeling better. So there can be a period of time where you have 
more cravings before the cravings start to diminish and even get to a place where they're mostly gone altogether. When I think back to my issues and what those were when I was struggling with my weight, even though I probably wouldn't have owned that I was trying to manage my emotional life with food, I was definitely going to the food mostly for emotional reasons. I was wanting to feel better, needing to feel better, and food was a way to feel better fast for me. And that wasn't always the case, of course. Like sometimes I just wanted the food because I wanted the food. It was a pure want, like just want to eat that. And that's something that I do want to get into with you because some of you are going to listen to me talk about all these underlying thoughts and emotions that drive our cravings and all of this addiction stuff. And you're going to be like, listen, sometimes a girl just wants a sandwich because she wants a fucking sandwich. (laughs) So it's true. We're not always looking for a deeper emotional reason, but we do also want to take a look and see What's going on in your life that has you going to the food and overeating it? What we really want to ask ourselves is, okay, what is it that I actually like about eating the foods, overeating the foods that I'm not really ready to give up yet? Foods like sugar and flour, anything processed. We want to let ourselves see both sides and consider for a moment the good and the bad and the bad and the good, not just label anything as purely good or bad for you, want to look at what's really going on there. Some people might say that the food relieves them from the stress, or maybe it soothes them from their pain, or it distracts them from their problems, or maybe that it just makes their life better. So no matter what your reason, what we see is that the food addiction, the overeating is not the primary problem. There's something else going on there, right? If you're life isn't good and you need to eat to make it better or there's some emotional pain there that you're having to eat over there's something else going on there the overconsumption of the food or any other addiction for that matter is just an attempt to solve whatever that problem is for you so your problem isn't that you eat too much of certain kinds of foods that's ancillary to the primary problem the problem is What has you going to the food in the first place? But a lot of the times we don't even experience it as a problem, especially in the moment, sometimes after the fact, but because it serves a function in your life. So mentally, most of us understand that we're doing something with a net negative consequence or something we'd rather not be doing. But practically, it's much more challenging to override those behaviors like overeating because In the moment, they're doing something for us. Remember, addiction is just an attempt to solve a problem. If you remove the addiction, if you remove the overeating, you're still left with the same problems to solve. And until you deal with the root of the problem that led you to try to manage yourself with food, you're going to be struggling. We have to deal with the underlying disconnect with yourself that's driving the food addiction, that's driving the overeating. The overeating and the weight gain is the symptom, not the cause. We have to go to the root of the issue. And that comfort and familiarity that we derive from food can almost always be traced back to the environment we grew up in. And to some extent, we all recreate the patterns we learned when we were younger into our adult lives. So into our relationship with food, into our relationship with our bodies, into our relationship with ourselves. 
until you develop the skill of releasing the emotion or generating emotion, the emotions that have you going to food, that pattern is going to keep playing itself out. The reason why most people overeat is because they don't want to deal with their emotional life or they have a complete lack of awareness as to what effect the food that they're eating is having on their bodies, is having on their mood, their mind, their life. What a diet or food plan can do is it creates that awareness because it makes you pay attention to what you're eating. And the other thing it does is it typically removes the option of overeating. If you're making a plan and you're eating only what you plant, then what you'll be left with are all these unanswered urges. So the reason why you're overeating comes to the surface. It's usually unmanaged emotion. Resisting the urges, resisting the cravings is what most people do. They rely on willpower to plow through their urges and often that just feels like too much effort for no immediate gain. So eventually they cave and they eat the food to make the cravings go away. The way you can think about this is as if you had a big beach ball and you were trying to hold it underwater. The pressure builds and the pressure builds and the moment you let up a little bit, that ball pops back up. That's the problem we're having when we're having all of these urges that are being resisted. For every unrealistic restriction where you're holding that beach ball down under the water, there's going to be an equal and opposite overeat. There's going to be that pop-up effect from all that pent-up energy of resisting the craving using willpower. The other way that people deal with their urges is by reacting. So when you're reacting to an urge, what you're most likely doing is having a bit of a mental temper tantrum. You might be blaming the food plan. You're following like this stupid plan. If I could just eat like everybody else, it wouldn't be so hard. Why can't I just eat normally? Or maybe you're out having dinner and somebody orders dessert at the restaurant and you weren't even thinking about dessert, but now you have this dessert sitting right in front of you and you feel like you're missing out and you're just thinking to yourself, what's wrong with them? Don't they know I can't eat that? And blah, 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 blah. And you just kind of sit there glaring at the dessert, right? It just puts you right into this state where it feels like you are the victim and the diet or somebody else is the villain and you're just at their effect. It's easy at that point to blame the diet or blame that other person and say, that's what's causing me to feel awful. But really, the urges are just revealing what's going on underneath. If we turn around and blame the diet or the people around us for our cravings, we miss the opportunity to understand what's going on with us. The truth is, Most of us don't enjoy the experience of not having overeating in our lives. We don't because then we have to face what we actually feel without the extra food. So we get caught up in reacting to our lives. Instead, feel bad, eat food. Feel bad, eat food. Instead of creating our lives the way we truly want them to be and focusing on our long-term well-being. What we need to do is learn how to allow these urges, delay gratification, not resist our cravings or react to them, but to allow the cravings. And it can be a real challenge to learn how to do this. So I'm going to give you a breakdown step-by-step of how to do this. 
But I'm telling you right now, you actually need to go out and apply this process for yourself to get good at it. So the first thing you have to do is recognize a craving as a craving. A craving is different than your actual physical hunger, has much more urgency around it, and it demands action, demands that you go eat the food right now. It's like a toddler demanding candy at the grocery store. You do not need to comply with it. And no matter how loud it gets, no matter how overwhelming it feels, you do not ever have to comply with a craving. It can feel that way in a moment, like you have to do it, but you never do. So that's really step one, just recognizing the urge, labeling it as a craving, and understanding that you do not have to comply with the action it wants you to take. Do not need to go eat the food. Your brain is making a demand, but you don't need to act on it. Your brain in that moment really thinks that more food than your body actually needs or food you hadn't planned for is a great idea. (laughs) Remember, the urge to eat is an attempt to solve a problem, but your brain is just confused about what the extra food will actually do for you because the only problem food solves for is true physical hunger. Your brain is telling you that the food will feel amazing and maybe it will relieve some stress, but usually the opposite ends up happening on the back end. Usually overeating leads to us feeling heavy and bloated and guilty and stressed that we might gain some weight because of it. Eating doesn't make the negative emotion or stress go away. It just distracts us from it. And then when we're distracted, we're not doing anything meaningful to actually deal with the cause of the difficult emotion or the cause of our stress. So your brain is just trying to make a helpful suggestion, but you are at liberty to say thank you, but no thank you. Your opinion is noted, but no thank you. All right, so if you're not resisting the urge at this point and you're not reacting to it either, then what? What are you actually doing? Once you've recognized that it's just a thought causing the urge, driving all of that compelling energy behind the urge, and you can see that your brain is trying to be helpful, but it's just confused. (laughs) Next, you have to let yourself feel the craving. You have to allow the craving. Often when people have a craving, they just eat to make it go away. But what we need to teach ourselves is that the craving goes away on its own when we allow ourselves to feel it. So you physically relax your body and open up to it. If you've never done this before, you might want to eliminate all other distractions and just go somewhere that you can take a little breather by yourself. You want to give yourself a moment where you can really focus on feeling what you're feeling when you're experiencing a craving. Eventually, you'll be able to do this in the spur of the moment and kind of keep calm and carry on with whatever you're doing. But when you're just starting out, especially if your urges come on strong, you'll want to pause really intentionally and carve out a little space for yourself to do this. It's like when you're learning to meditate. Are you going to teach yourself how to watch your mind think in a quiet room or in a noisy stadium? Probably you'll pick the peace and quiet. You'll be much more willing to feel what you're feeling if you do it this way. So you're going to tell yourself, okay, right now I'm going to teach myself how to feel this craving. I'm going to teach myself how to open up to it. 
So setting that intention once you notice the craving that this is your moment to get to know it. And you're going to get out of your head and into your body to do this. You're going to start by describing what it's like to experience a craving to yourself and focus on what it really feels like. Not like super exaggerated, like it feels like I'm going to die. No, (laughs) no, no, no. Like where is it in your body? Where is it located? Is it in your belly? Is it in your chest? Is it in your head? What does the craving feel like? Does it feel contracted or kind of tingly or like pressure building? You're getting really descriptive as if you were telling me so that I could recreate the experience of my own body. Does the sensation move or does it just kind of sit there and feel dense and heavy? For those of you who are maybe more imaginative, does it have a shape or color that you could assign to it? You're just getting to know really intimately what a craving feels like for you in your body. And by describing it to yourself, you're not just at the effect of the craving. You're also witnessing it. To describe it, you have to watch it, which is pretty cool. It just makes the experience of the craving much more breathable. Like, oh, this is just a craving. I know what this feels like. There's nothing I have to do right now. It just feels a little uncomfortable and that's okay. It's not going to last. As you explore the discomfort of a craving and get to know it, it will produce way less of a knee-jerk reaction. You'll get good at feeling your cravings without caving to them. And the more you get practice doing this and the less you reward those cravings, the more your cravings will extinguish themselves. They'll diminish and they'll become more dull. So you want to get to know your cravings so you don't feel like you have to avoid them, or get rid of them by immediately eating the food that your brain is suggesting you eat. When you get to know your cravings, then they're no big deal. You feel kind of familiar. They're just momentary unpleasantness. But it does take that initial willingness to experience that discomfort. Once you've labeled the craving and you've observed it very matter-of-factly, you have to ask yourself, am I willing to feel this right now? Am I willing to feel this craving? Am I willing to feel a little kick in the back of the stomach and some tension in my jaw? Whatever you're noticing for you. Some people are very resistant to feeling that discomfort. And so what I want you to recognize is that when you become resistant and tense up, it actually ends up intensifying the craving. But when you open to the craving and allow it to be there, it eases off and dissipates. If you've ever meditated and had an itch that you could not scratch, you probably noticed that this is what happens. The itch goes away on its own. And funny enough, I find that when you go to scratch the itch, like sneak an itch, (laughs) almost immediately like another three pop up. You're like, I wasn't even itchy five seconds ago. It's like (laughs) whack-a-mole. When you scratch the urge to eat some food, It's the same thing. Giving into the craving gets rid of it in the moment, but then there it is again. When the brain learns that it can urge and urge and urge, but you're not going to reward it, you're not going to do that thing your brain is asking you to do and reach for the food, then it stops expecting the food to come and it stops offering up so many urges. The amount of urges and cravings that you have on a day-to-day basis starts to diminish. So 
It's maybe counterintuitive, but the way that you get rid of your cravings is by allowing yourself to feel your cravings and not act on them. When you teach yourself the skill of allowing your cravings, you will be able to manage your weight to a T. If I were to break weight loss down, it would be like these three steps. Make doable food plans, eat only what you planned, and allow for urges. That's the secret, my friends. You recognize the craving, you observe it really descriptively, and then you allow it by asking yourself if you're willing to open up to it and giving yourself permission to feel what you're feeling when you're experiencing that craving. Just letting yourself feel what you feel. If you do this, it will give you more elbow room to navigate your life, not just when it comes to food, but when it comes to any urges that distract you from where you want your focus to be. So be onto yourself because those urges, they can be real sneaky. Human brain can be very stealth and rationalize emotional decisions that are totally driven by immediate gratification. Like think to yourself, like, I'll just have a little taste or I'm not really hungry anymore, but that was so good. I'll just have a little more. So you have to be self-aware enough because once you cave to that craving, even just a little, it will be so much harder to control yourself from having more. It will be much more uncomfortable. You have a bite of the cookie, resisting eating the rest of the cookie, that is a challenge, my friends. Good on you if you can do it. (laughs) So don't let your brain talk you into not listening to your body. Do your eating from inside your body, not from inside your head. Cravings are just your brain having an opinion, acting confused, so don't be acting a fool. (laughs) Okay, my friends, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll talk to you again very soon. Hey, if you're ready to train your mind as much as you're behind, sign up for the Genius Body. It's my free course, and it's been known to help people just like you start losing some weight starting today. So click on that link in the show notes and let's start a transformation today.